So hi everyone, um, welcome back to Superstructure. I um, I think I I wanted to have us record because I had like a a kind of a serious thing that I wanted to address uh, first and foremost. Um, Liz Brunig, <laughs> she oh, no. uh, I, she I was I was gonna say smallpox, so I don't. <laughs> no, not smallpox. <laughs> um, um, Liz Brunig did a tweet. Uh, earlier this week oh, no. <laughs> that um, basically was akin to suggesting that we are all going to be alone in this world, particularly if you date men. And why don't you uh, why don't you make something of your own uh, that will never leave you? Cake. Lots and lots of cake. Uh, lots of cake and cookies yeah. um, that will never leave you. And that will call you mommy. And um, and what I just want to say as a public don't, service announcement. Don't make me do my Liz Burning voice. I think I think um, I think Sam Adler Bell oh, and no. Liz Brunig should date. Um, All right, Max. That's enough of the boy band segment. The 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 boy girl band. I just, I, I just think it's really important. I'm I want everyone to be happy. No one wants um, to hear about this left twitter fame discourse wait we're not actually doing this as the cold open are we? <laughs> like, we still need to do a clap sync <laughs> no we just want to make it hard for will all right no uh, i'm stopping this we're gonna do a clap sync now Hi, everybody. We're back with Superstructure. This is Will Beeman, and I have my two co-hosts reunited again. We have Natalie Smith here. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, that's Natalie. And we have uh, Max <laughs> Seho. What's up? Hi, Max. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of stuff has happened in the last few weeks, right? How long has it been since since an episode? Okay, We're all, so, like, Will, I want busy. you have taken max's cold open about a liz Burnick tweet and said let's change that to a lot of stuff happened this week <laughs> <laughs> well i was gonna say i was gonna say i'm down with both i think they're both great <laughs> um, a lot of stuff happened this week i'm trying to leave it open so what happened what's been going on what well, we're in a different moon cycle since um, when we were. I know. Last now time. we're in the Sagittarius moon. How I feel like a moon cycle doesn't last very long. How long do those last? Like two days? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so only... <laughs> well, a Sagittarius moon either lasts for a long time or just doesn't exist. I see. I um, see. I see. That's it's an interesting dialectic you have. <laughs> a lot of stuff happening. A lot of stuff happening. No. Well, I mean, okay, we can think about a lot of things. I think for the first and foremost um media stuff left media stuff people losing their minds Ew, uh, God. including us mm -hmm. jesus uh online uh, meltdown june um <laughs> yeah I, lo I lost my mind and started a series i appreciate that you put it in the yeah. title though <laughs> well you know i wanted to <laughs> i wanted to head off at the pass uh, <laughs> anything that's going on <laughs> But yeah, media stuff. What's your What's your show, Will? What's your show about? What do you What's what stuff for you right now? So the show is called Projections, and they're like ten to twenty minute, I guess monologue type things where I kind of 
share, develop like a, a thought or a reading on something kind of current and in the news, but that I think can be in, in turned ten over minute, and looked at ten differently. Min, ten minute man. Is that what you interrupted me to say? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, I mean the the point of projections, I guess, is like I'm I'm trying to zero in on right wing or you know dirtbag left kinds of readings of say the household as you know a completely private sphere. You have things that happen in the news that allow those topics to be kind of flipped over and and read differently and it turns out that that the household and all this trad stuff also includes the internet you know which is what trad stuff is afraid of right um and so yeah anyway it's it's been an interesting series um i edit it to death even though they're only like 10 or 15 minutes uh which is why if you listen to that series it'll be more eloquent than me describing it right now but i like your i like your editor self it's an interest like i appreciate that like you can sit with it and just be like i want to figure it out exactly yeah well i think that editing is like a a kind of a profound in between or liminal space you know like it, i mean it's mediation basically um, you know, you're, you're listening to something, um, or even you have a conversation with somebody and there's all kinds of stuff that's happening off screen, you know, quote unquote, that goes into making that conversation that we don't actually think about. And so editing is kind of an interesting way where that abstraction is kind of brought to life and made really clear and obvious. Um, and, and I get to sound really smart, uh, by, by really carefully editing myself. <laughs> uh but there's been yeah a lot of media stuff i mean you know i guess maybe first we can talk about what's the stakes of media for us right now like because i i feel like that is a huge annoying question but but it is something that gets thrown at us like you know like oh (laughs) media (laughs) i think i think there's multiple scales at which that word applies to things that are overlapping and related, but also different. And so um, media as in like the news media or left media has its own set of stakes and um, dare one say like structures of responsibility that um, affect certain discourses um, that contribute to certain, I guess, trajectories for uh, political movements, whether it's right-wing, left-wing, centrist, or something that cracks open all of those categories in complicated ways. And so um, what are the stakes of media? I mean, the stakes are sort of always what they've been, in a sense. Um, Media, mediation, um, the, the forms of translating or in, uh, in or the middle in the middle right <laughs> or, and, and and of course ultimately too like what money and law does for society right i mean that's maybe the one of the more macro uh structures of media and mediation is that, that what has scott's particular... book is about 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 lube <laughs> yes uh, the lube at a distance um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well that this this middle position is is interesting too, right? Because I think that media as storytelling, the meaning of something like say the January 6th committee hearing 
is not necessarily just reducible to the content of that hearing. Like a big part of the a big part of media is how media lands, right? Like how is it read? Um, and things can be read in different ways because as a society, as a society, um, we are kind of grappling with a lot of kind of difficult and unanswerable questions. And you can grapple with with questions too. Like the, I think sometimes people too feel like, oh, like you're just having an idealist read of media. And it's like, no, like we understand that there, I mean, you can take so many different points of view. You can take a view of like the ecology of reception, of audiences, of... Mm-hmm. Um, networks like all of this is I don't know I think there's no there's no ability to get outside like editing editing is a mode of something you're always doing right and so Mm -hmm. because I think sometimes people's resistance to media quote-unquote is giving it this thing in itselfness that we're trying to push back on originarily too it's like well we're always in different locations and discourses and power dynamics and interactions and the storytelling is not something it, it the disavowal of the stories we're all in is like a violent move that that is trying to rem- because it's saying well it doesn't have x stake it's like you're trying to narrow down stakes in such specific ways that you're just trying to eliminate like interaction as earnest and accountable at all i don't know i don't know if that made any sense yeah i i think that the way that we want to talk about media here as kind of a variously distributed or whatever responsibility for how we're participating in the kind of you know whatever collective grappling or wrestling with difficult questions or ideas like this is very much not an idealistic view of media because it it can't be perfect right like it's kind of a double-edged sword because like on the one hand that's scary because that's a very ambiguous responsibility that people have to participate in infrastructures that we can't even fully control what is going to be the meaning of our participation, like what is our impact. But on the other hand, that also means that media and participation is not dead on arrival, like you are contesting it. Um, And I think that this violence that Natty is kind of gesturing towards of trying to draw a boundary around media and say media is over there i'm not i'm not part of it because i have no power the violence of that is that it sort of is is an abdication of responsibility um and often and i mean we we've talked about this with that film don't look up right like there's something very ironic and self-defeating about a film that is telling you that films don't do anything right or that media doesn't do anything when in fact what's what's happening is that you know media is shoring up like an obfuscated view of media um i do think it's worth like now that we've sort of generally sketched out some of this problematic talking about some of the examples from the last few weeks and thinking about like actually taking up this question of power and thinking about like what power people can have not only through creating forms of media but sort of creating commentary creating media as a sort of commentary on media that has more reach than one might assume that they have right mm-hmm. have um, the commentaries on the commentaries on the commentaries on right. the commentaries which Discourse. are all subsumed under 
categories of categories of commentaries, which is how I feel good and how we right. all are always living. Uh, and it's all superstructure and meaningless. Um, <laughs> um, like one of the things that maybe we could talk about first is the stuff that happened at the Washington Post with employee and personnel changes like no Twitter user unilaterally caused. Well, what Will, Will is our full Washington person. You know, Will's got the like full Washington media thing. I have like a little bit of the Washington people, but it's you got to keep coming back to WAPO and say, is it is it Jeff Bezos? Is it Catherine Graham? What's going on? Is Liz Brunig and one of her like the Pope hates the devil months? You know, like no, I don't think she writes there anymore. But um. <laughs> It's, I think it's worth before we. Sorry, I'm just situating in, Wapo. No, I like no. uh, Wapo is like an interesting. Yeah, thing. I mean, I'll, I don't know. I'll, we we can back into what happened. I just want I just yeah, wanted yeah. to um, just make the general comment that when it comes to like what institutions do, there's a way in which we we participate in those choices very indirectly, right? And right in social media and all the infrastructures that they rely on. For example, my grandpa would angrily call WAPO like in his 90s. Like you didn't you didn't put the baseball score for 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 this high school like angry. Right. That's a, a kind You know what? They deserve exactly. a kind of participa- a kind of participation and contestation. Hi, this is Deep so- Throat. I have a complaint about your baseball <laughs> coverage. Um, <laughs> hi, me again, Deep Throat. <laughs> what we're saying is that customer service is constitutive of politics. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Support the unions. Support but the, yeah. the journalists. Well, well, I think there's something actually really interesting there about customer service because like everyone talks about how like Karens and blah 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 may speak to your manager, mm-hmm. but like, but like there's a reason why uh, firms are fucking terrified of Karens. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? There's a reason why the managers come out and try to like you know yeah. quell the issue because like there's some serious like white middle class. Uh, <laughs> consumer power in in like yeah in 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 the the figure of of karen as a as a participatory uh economic agent it's it's important to like not essentialize all of that kind of like engagement with remote infrastructures as being a Karen who wants to talk to a manager. No, no, right? of course um, not. Right. That's, well, that's well, a very it also depends specific... on your politics though, right? It depends yeah. on your politics. Yes. And so I think Max is right that like in the valence of my, my grandfather, <laughs> that it was being a bitch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but then- of, But the politics are, are at core. No, but it, I think it's important to establish the power. Oh, absolutely. That there yeah. is power there, yeah, yeah. right? Like it's not, it's when, when put in those terms, it's obvious. Obvious that discursive participation in a sphere of mediation is does have and contain a, a, a sort of a relationship of which power and politics are playing out. And when you put it on the terms of, you know, white middle class women complaining to like TJ Maxx managers, <laughs> it, it's it's it it becomes obvious right it's i think another, it becomes more obvious tj max is another important superstructural theme yes i mean they spell my name right first of all. Um, <laughs> what, what i'm getting at is there's there is a certain way in which that mode of contested participation in you know infrastructures or in businesses or in institutions or whatever like then the people who are making fun of karens 
then the charge gets thrown at them, like, oh, you're just trying to talk to Karen's manager. Right, but... Yeah, to be, to yeah, yeah. use, like, a more concrete example, like, there's there was an article in The Intercept recently by uh, by Ryan Grimm. High quality, high quality. Friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> friend of being made fun of on the show, Ryan Grimm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what the problem is with NGOs? The employees fucking over the bosses. <laughs> that's the, that's the, that's the, in a woke way. That's the, that's but wait, the but wait, Daddy. Piece. He raises a lot of meaningful Un- questions. Unlike, unlike Sam Adler Bell's piece, I actually did read part of this one. <laughs> Unstoppable. All right. Um, but okay, we're, um, we, we can, we can talk about this, this intercept piece, um, Maybe more later after Washington Post. Sorry for teasing it, but yeah, it's the Am- so it's I the Amtrak it. Nexus. It's the Sola <laughs> Express. Yeah, DC uh, to New so York. I I want to I want to help our readers who haven't been paying attention as much as we are uh, to to all of this. Um, mm-hmm. But essentially, what happened was uh, friend of Chapo Trap House, Dave Weigel. A so Max, reporter. do you just want to be Chapo? Is that your thing? You just want to be. Yes, you just I want do. to be Chapo. I want to. That's I want so to be Chapo, and I want to be a so fuck gross. up who is not doesn't achieve anything in my life. That's um, fucking disgusting. For being Chapo. Why are you fucking doing um, that? <laughs> but um. No, I don't really he, believe that. <laughs> he he has a past history of being well. Let's just say a right winger. Well, so so David um, Weigel but, is a national reporter for the Washington Post. Has a has right. a mustache, famously. Um, famously has a mustache. Famously has been fired for multiple reasons at different times. Some of them, which were like good reasons to be fired, like you uh, you broke a story on right wingers. Um, and but so there's a complicated history with him, particularly in college. He was a famous, like famously a conservative, and did a bunch of offensive things. Um, had a blog that was offensive, but anyway, he retweeted a uh, a very misogynistic and ableist joke to even call it. A I joke, I would say I my blood pressure, like my body, like tensed as you like mentioned the joke. Like it's that violent of a joke that I got. I it's got. A, te- I got joke. tensed yeah, yeah. just mentioning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so he retweeted that. And um, I don't know if we want to mention the joke or. I don't think it's worth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a sexist mental health joke. Like it was. Yeah. Really checking a lot of boxes Um, at once. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And and by the way, I mean, as someone who and during Pride Month and during and during during Pride Month. Right. Mm. Um, To start Pride Month, talking about uh, queer queer instability. Yeah. and as someone who's followed his him and his Twitter for a long time, like he does like tweets that are, uh, let's just say, ironic, um, if to be the most charitable yeah. that anyone yeah. could say. Um, and and so then, um, shortly after that, uh, Felicia Somnes, who's was another reporter on uh, at the Washington Post, um, screenshotted it and complained about this being workplace culture that, you know, the men who she works with can just do this, right? Yep. Like, this is just something that, that as she phrased it, like, I just have to put up with. That has to so be you're saying thing, when right? she said that, she was basically taking the role of capitalist bosses who want to, you know, fire, yeah, but... fi- who wanted to fire Harvey Weinstein. 
fine. Yeah, she was, just that's right. She, she was snitching on working class <laughs> men like David Weigel. Yeah. Well, yeah. uh, she was <laughs> she was snitching on national reporters um, um, who have been on Chapo, which I think is a like unions have a particular like representational uh, like. <laughs> Um, circle of people who only represent Chapo guests, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's well. Um, there, there's actually a specific union that is Chapo guests and stand-up comedians. <laughs> well, um, and look, and look, and, and the, the the you could in theory be right, like a stand-up comedian or a former Chapo guest who had solidarity and stood with like the diversity of all the actual realities of these well, movements. Instead, it's like, look. I know cop unions aren't great, but they sure do have solidarity. It's like, what the fuck are you? Right. Ta- what the fuck, what are you ta- what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, like, so, so that, <laughs> and that was that was a response to to the um, oh initial suspension of David Weigel. Immediately, this becomes like before Felicia Sanmez um, gets fired. Uh, in the in that like few days long period, this is like cause celebra for essentially for like the dirtbag left or class reductionist left or you know it becomes this thing where everybody closes ranks around David Weigel. You know, like the purpose of unions is to prevent employees from being fired for any reason. Um, he wasn't and- fired. I don't know if I support even. I don't even know enough facts about the suspension to even know if I would support a suspension. But the reality is, and yeah, we don't take the position of the bosses. But the reality is, what happened, not surprisingly, to a lot of people who could have seen this before, was he was suspended a month, and the woman who just complained, she didn't say to put him on suspension, got fired. Right. So this is charged yeah. with. That's the reality. Yeah, and so this is charged with the with the backlash to Me Too. And as soon as Felicia Sanmez gets fired, suddenly, uh-oh, there's a category error here with, you know, who is the worker, who is the boss, you know, who is talking to a manager, who's not. Because really what's what's happening is, you know, it's it's not that the that the higher ups at Washington Post, you know, were initially very offended by sexism and then had a complete completely changed their mind and became offended on David Weigel's behalf. Like, no, this isn't just tyrannical bosses making things up off the top of their heads, right? They're being influenced by a developing and contested discourse about feminism and the and the role of the media. They're- to be clear, they're siding with reaction, right? Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the media well, uh, with the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. Also. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. They're yeah. both members of the union. Like, so it's right. just like right. It, it, I'm just saying there's also it, a counter discourse. There's also a discourse that's pushing yes. back on different like there's this claim almost that like that bosses are like the face of feminism. It's like, no, they they side with reaction. That's the reality. Like that's yeah. fu- and that's the counter claim. Yeah. Yeah. And so so what initially happens is basically like Felicia Sanmez, a worker at Washington Post, right? A co-worker goes to Twitter, not to her bosses, to her, you know, other people in her profession and readers, and they rally behind her. And that's why David Weigel gets in trouble, right? Um, so what so what's happening at the Washington Post is being variously shaped and contested by what's going on. And then the Washington Post, then like the reaction to then fire her several days later 
is also because of, you know, in part, a Twitter backlash, right? And so this is this is just a great example of, uh, and, and like, I think to tie it back to some broader stakes that we've touched on a lot uh, over the years, right? This is a workplace issue between labor, laborer and capital, right? That's how we, one might phrase it. That's how the response initially um, by some on the left to David Weigel, Weigel's suspension framed it, mm-hmm. right? We are commenting over here, separate from the workplace issue over there. That is between labor and capital. Yes, in this maybe more boutique uh, iteration of labor and capital, but nonetheless, where there's a union and there are bosses and they have to work that out for themselves. And what we say over here doesn't matter because we're just commentating online, which is not related to production and not related to political economy and employment. But what ends up happening is not only do the laborers themselves, not only is the quote unquote offense, right, which is very offensive online, but the laborer who complains, complains online, right? Because, because, you know, famously, you're not supposed to go to HR with something like this. Like, that's what anyone on the left would tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, so going public is a way to do that in a sense, right? Um, and... And then all of the reaction, counter-reaction structure plays out online, which ends up influencing the way people at the Washington Post, with agency over this particular labor-capital relationship, use their mind, interpret and metabolize what has happened, to then make a decision to side with the reaction to Me Too, in a sense, and fire Felicia Somnus. Right? That's, that's, it's important to spell out that narrative and how it destabilizes reductive narratives of political economy as just one example. And we're going to touch on multiple, I think, in this episode. Mm-hmm. of And that that's another way of answering why media is important. It's not just because it is over there and important, but because everyone making decisions at any place in time in society is being, is, is, is coming to terms with what is happening in their world through media. There's some amount of Chilean, there's some amount of Chilean culture of that, like this kind of Latin, like, you know, like my buddy Nacho just like uses Twitter sometimes just to be like, hello, politician, you're fucking this up, you piece of shit, or hello, municipality, this is fucking wrong on my street right now, like, oh, hello, customer care at this place, you sold me a bad thing, like people use it as like a public complaints accountability and i'm not saying it is like some perfect forum for accountability but we're trying to contest the spaces that there are right Right. just as you always do in the middle right and there's all different structures and models of how you do this and you're just kind of like trying to figure out your moves of like what is justice where you are well and there there's another dimension to this too which is that the washington post is not just a workplace where decisions that get made are affected by things that happen on social media. But the Washington Post is also constitutive of social media and, you know, of what's on the timeline. Like, that's that's just one part of the broader media infrastructure that a national institution like that is is a part of, right? So it's we don't just read it as 
Yeah. I was just going to say, did you know that Politico, like super lib world is owned by um, someone who's, I think the kid or is also the owner of the Riggs bank in DC, which was the bank that laundered Pinochet's money. No, but you see, speaking of, you see, there's no difference between people who have money. It's just the fact of them having money. That's, that's, um, <laughs> but um, the, I think one thing too, is like, it's interesting thinking about this, right? I think at one level and, and Will, you've done a great job in your, in your projection series of describing oh, yeah go on no i'm um, sorry i interrupted you were yeah, gonna, yeah. <laughs> you were saying that i did a great job i'm doing a great job continue um, right of, of demonstrating how particularly yeah, these Matt, he's really laughing he's talking about the job i'm doing <laughs> um, of how like you've done a great job of of showing how these particular channels of influence can be leveraged and it's funny because i think my impulse is is to like recognize just how deeply people deny their existence in the first place and just be like yeah 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 like these are a bunch of amazing ways in which we can contest things but i'm like like y'all look at the like on the the timelines like look like just we need to first and foremost acknowledge that this is happening because i i really think people don't realize that like when they're tweeting about Dave Weigel, when they're and they're like ironically like saying whatever they're saying, whether they're uh, doing the joke again <laughs> or like and 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 recapitulating the offense or whether they're just saying this is bad, that what they're doing is not just like saying to my friends in a way that matters absolutely nothing, right? Um what they believe about the situation like no you're you are embedded in a structure of reaction when you do that like it doesn't matter if you want to be you are doing that right that is fundamental to one's participation in commentary and in discourse right it's not it's a hard thing to come to terms with right it's a hard way to and that what you are doing will be and will play and be interpreted in ways that are not fully in your control. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the real, like, thing that makes people anxious is nobody wants to be like, well, I ha- I'm responsible for what happens at the Washington Post. And it's like, no, you're not literally, like, it's not your fault what happens at the Washington Post. But that also doesn't mean that, like, you're not in the world, like, you know. Like, like that you don't have some responsibility. Right. You're for, not, you're not yeah. not responsible. I mean, I guess maybe that's how I'd put it. Like, right. Like you're not not responsible for how, what you do affects things. Which, which is the call of the political. Yes. Well, exactly. That's what politics is. You Is a claim on responsibility. You don't of, say. And <laughs> contesting that claim collectively. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there, there's a way of reading that responsibility j- just as oh, I'm thrown into uh, an us versus them oh, conflict. Oh, no. Here we go. Right. <laughs> There's a way um, of making it Schmidian, a, a Schmidian yeah. kind of responsibility. We're back We're back to the battle of the of the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's... <laughs> Heidegger versus Schmidt, part 11. <laughs> um, and, well, well, what Derrida and that's, would say is... The, yeah. Sorry. I, I was going to say what Derrida would say is that Schmidt and Heidegger are all too similar. That's, that's going to be my... My next series. So I think this is a good point for for uh, <laughs> for transitioning, right? Because only, only funny think, to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Natty just wants to drop a stone in water and watch as the the, the folds <laughs> on the water reverberate. Um, I think we this is a great point to to transition to uh, the the theory portion of this podcast. Uh, no, the explicit reading um, <laughs> that I that I wanted to bring to this podcast, which daily, I mean, what we've just described. Daily, uh, yes. <laughs> and fucking grads you are students. listening to the dairy dot dig <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh no that's so mean oh no well, uh oh, no. natty your 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 oh, guilt no. and shame has that's been awful. has been uh written into the record now <laughs> so we can move forward uh, <laughs> now we have a, a yeah, or yeah, something exactly. i don't know um well, today we're digging in <laughs> oh no Oh no! Oh yeah. no! <laughs> Please continue. Okay, well, uh, so that's too, so if that's we can nice. if we can calm our resident Schmidt and our resident Derrida down, and I can I can talk okay. for a second. Um, okay, Kim, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like what we've just said, right, is how this responsibility towards politics, right, is not absolute, thrown into an us versus them battle, uh, but it's also not not responsibility right in participation in in discursive uh participation and discursive not just being like a ghetto of one segment of of talking right but like discursive as in like writing and speaking across all domains including legislating and and you know writing commentary in a magazine and also just talking to your neighbors, you know, whatever it is, right? I think this this is can be subsumed by as a certain kind of political responsibility that, yes, varies in its effectiveness, but all are necessarily political, and you're and we all must necessarily maintain analogous influence and responsibility towards all of these spheres. And so to tease that out, um, I wanted to read from Jacques Derrida um, and his. In chapter seven of his uh, The Politics of Friendship, because I really think it actually gets at this um, quite directly in the way that Money on the Left uh, uh, very much appreciates. And that lines up with a, a certain slutty post-structuralist sensibility that we have Sluts. Um, variously uh, in, at Money on the Left. So I'm going to read from page 231. Um and of what of what book? of the politics of friendship and oh and what what edition what 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 press is this well this is the verso the verso radical what thinkers year? Okay. press okay um, what year it was uh it was originally published in 1994 so it's later derrida which is important um okay and it was translated first to verso when did that dude die um he he died in 2004 um what did he die from uh pancreatic cancer very sad Ouch. um did he have writings during his during his yes. uh, final days? Yes, he did, and I I uh, I have. Them. <laughs> uh, well, the, one of the fun, I'm, I'm sure you one do. Of the, one of the fun things about Derrida, yeah, I was like, I heard pancreatic cancer, and I was like, all right, how's Natty gonna turn yeah. this into a joke? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, Lord. Well, uh, one of the fun things about Derrida, I'm reading also multiple biographies at the moment about him, but. Um, he, he famously, when he got sick, only started writing more. Um, and so he, well, what else are you going to do? You have to get all the shit out. Well, exactly. So he, what he says, (laughs) and I quote, is he wanted to create a total diary. Um, so (laughs) that's that's a little ambitious. Well, right. So, um, 
so I get to read his total diary. But um, right. I bet. I bet. Um, yeah. And so you're gonna have to forgive his uh his meandering prose, which I find uh very pretty. But um, yeah. So it's not it's not gonna be straightforward necessarily, but we'll we'll get there. So I don't I don't think superstructure fans by now should. <laughs> like the straightforward if i'm on the episode (laughs) (laughs) so um so we're talking about responsibility (laughs) and i quote this is where i'm start muting mics um even (laughs) even before the question of responsibility was posed the question of speaking in one's own name countersiding such a such an affirmation right so this is still the question of responsibility for him we are caught up one and another in a sort of heteronomic and disymmetrical curving of social space more precisely a curving of the relation to the other prior to all organized socius all politeia all determined government before all law Prior to and before all law, in Kafka's sense of being before the law, which is a reference to a very short Kafka story called Before the Law. Let's get this right. Prior to to all determined law, qua natural law or positive law, but not prior to law in general. For the heteronomic and disymmetrical curving of a law of originary sociability is also a law, perhaps the very essence of law. What is unfolding itself at this instant, and we are finding it a somewhat disturbing experience, this is this anxiety we're talking about, is perhaps only the silent deployment of that strange violence that has always insinuated itself into the origin of the most innocuous experiences of friendship or justice. We have begun to respond. We are already caught up we are caught out in a certain responsibility. And the most ineluctable responsibility, as if it were possible to think a responsibility without freedom, we are invested with an undeniable responsibility at the moment we begin to signify something. And I think it's important to say like what he's describing. Uh, That was was beautiful. It is beautiful. That's like everything I feel. I know, right? Good. And thank you. Thank you, Doc. Thank you, Derrida. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I love that word curve. Yeah. Also, right? Because, like, I think that, no, that's Sorry. not a joke. I'm like. <laughs> See, to me, that was the funniest part. No, I, I like the word, I like the word curve there, right? Because it is, like, what it's getting at is this kind of paradoxical participation in whatever you know, kind of mediating, you know, like, like often people think of mediation as being like some kind of a, like a physics realm or something that you're in, right? Like you're online, which means that you're a user and online is, you know, just exerting power yeah. over well, you. In a but the idea of being in a space and there and is a physics. It, yeah. There yeah. is a physics. It's just their physics is shitty. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and their physics is not reducible to what they say. It <laughs> right. Is, exactly. Right? Because you're, which you're is also shitty. Yeah. Yes. But you're also contesting <laughs> it as, as you use it. Yeah. Right. Like it's possible for people on Twitter to have some kind of an influence over whether Elon Musk buys Twitter. 
right? It's just also uh, um, a bad topography of the daily, and, in my opinion. And so, I, and so yeah. what I want to say here, too, like, just to, like, make sure we, we tease out some of this, right? There, what Derrida is doing here is not only describing political responsibility, but he's describing it as fucking disturbing and painful, right? <laughs> so our, our responsibility that's what that's and it should be exactly. that means you're actually you're engaging you're engaging on this you're playing a role of a certain kind of engagement that is like you're you do need to feel the things sometimes yes, and right. like and feel the weight you of your to, existence as something that is invested yeah. with value yeah. and political responsibility and that is this form of inclusion yeah. that is analogical to the the entire socius right it's not reducible to any particular form right which is what we always say about money right in general right here here we go with analogy yeah. everything's the same and different <laughs> jesus i'm just kidding. Um, i'm just i'm just um, kidding. I'm kidding but and it's disturbing <laughs> and yet here we are responsible before we fucking type out a single word right um and and we and everyone i think also has a sense of that, which is why people Max's, do it, right? Max's dumb, dumb face. Yeah. <laughs> Responsible before typing a single word. <laughs> You're already on the hook. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it's meaningful what we say, right? It's, and then like, there's, there's this way in which we can tease out the particular examples like we have, and there's more to say about that too, but it is just like fundamentally meaningful what we say as people um, who can say things, right? And in some form or fashion, That's right? It's it, communication. An, an essence of law. Going to a place is a way of speaking. You're, right. you know, there's this like, there's this corporeal turn, right? Like the body, but bodies are ways exactly. of speaking, right? Exactly. And, and the essence of law is in these decisions all the time, right? And you're caught up and caught out and yeah. And naming one's own name is not an originary well, right. essence, nor is it, nor is there this essence of positivist law, nor like an eternal essential law. It's about the having to move constantly and make small little adjustments and constantly question yourself in a way that has integrity and, and is looking for other people's thriving to have integrity at the best scale of what justice is. I, I don't know I no, what this reminds me of is you, you both you mutual mutual aid episode right the heteronomic right the literal quite mm -hmm. right. right this sense of yeah I want I want you to talk about I want you to talk about the the friendship value for you and I know that you're kind of reading this with us in terms of like Enneagram and Derrida and Schmidt and me and Will and stuff and I'm, I'm and you're just Baudrillard like making mirrors you know um, cause, but I want to, I want to hear like, what kind of is at stake for you? I, I do not want to be Schmidt in, in <laughs> if that's what you're saying. No, you're um, the, you're the, you're the counter Schmidt. That's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you're... Sounds like Schmidt to me. No, but, no, no. Okay. <laughs> not, you're, it's heteronomic Schmidt. Okay. It's heteronomic. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm yeah, selling well, out the... Max on this one. Cause that's how Max is. See, that's to me, like, that's why Max likes the politics of friendship though. Cause in a non-Schmidtian way, we are consciously not Schmidtian, right? In, but you are adding something better. Yeah. yeah. Well, us and them is caught up in in language in the first right. place. That's not reducible to us and them because it proceeds. Right. It. And and but right. and um, Schmidt doesn't. I mean, quite literally, he he doesn't allow for anything that's before us and them, except for a 
a Hobbesian state of nature. On his own terms, he explicitly suggests that. In in the beginning, there was a seed. I'll concede there was a seed. That's no. right. <laughs> I was in the I was in the garden being asexual, and there was a seed. No. That sounds kind of interesting. So. <laughs> I'm sh- I'm sure. <laughs> I would compare this Sorry. to somebody listening to this episode, right? Like. In the beginning, before what you're listening to, there was editing. Right. Right. Exactly. There was there was production. Um and right. it's That's and it's an, and it's abstract and it's murky. Yeah. Right? Like in you the can... in the beginning an edit. And but Yeah, in the beginning we were editing already. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um yeah. in yeah. in many ways. And and I think it's important to say yeah. that in this book, like Derrida is is I mean reflecting on a lot of things, but Schmidt is uh, a primary point of critique, but also He's trying to take the sort of political nature of the question of us being them being caught up in something prior to that. So it's not a reducible univocal us versus them that is absolute and absolutely subsuming, which is what Will's suggesting, right? Um, he's mm-hmm. but he, but there is a necessity to locate. <laughs> there is a danger over there, <laughs> right? Which is which is what Will does, but also right like, <laughs> what I think people see in Schmidt, right? Yeah. In a sense, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. I think my point it's, it's an there's a veil, yeah. Well, in Derrida too, you see some, yeah. Right. There's there's questions that are at issue that are really politically serious yeah. and shared in certain right. well, ways so, um, and, and si- in, six in the enneagram holds in tandem this identification of friends and enemies as as something that is that is in in flux right yes. like like the point is that is that enemy or whatever like is polysemic and you can yeah you can reread it differently as friend and you yeah. know and yeah, yeah, yeah. remove yourself and defer that that antagonism exactly you know like and Max, Here. what does Derrida say about Schmidt? I'm curious. And what is what is the word friendship doing there in terms of Derrida's question? So, and in terms of our questions. So, I mean, I, what Derrida is saying in a in a complicated way is that um, Schmidt is predicates his analysis of the political on the decision of who the enemy is, and it's and it's contracted in time. So Derrida's whole thing is a critique of the now as a moment. Um, and and he originally gets through this through a critique of Husserl, but um, he's also he's Husserl's boring. Yeah, I mean Husserl is kind of boring, but um, <laughs> um, but but the point is is that Schmidt's very let's just say uninformed, just absolute moment of decision of who the enemy is, which then every every aspect of life is dependent on is fucking dangerous for all the fashy reasons that that because the because the core desire there is to find true friends right exactly the core desire is to find friendship right and to find a kind of solidarity that is true joy and justice and and derrida recognizes that and effective and effective right Right. it's a strategy of 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 gathering Mm -hmm. right yeah, well, and and solidarity that's not subsumption into a common identity, right? Right. right that then is yes. defined by a new other. Right? Exactly. It's... And and so, I mean, Schmidt is a complicated figure because leftists find his absolute enemy shoring up of the anxiousness of solidarity, right? Like, oh well, if we have capital, then we don't have to actually think about what labor means, right? Like, this is this is an impulse that right. that mm-hmm. people on the left have. Mm-hmm. 
And Derrida yeah, wants we, to we take We don't need Derrida. to think about sexism between two coworkers because they share a common enemy, exactly which is right? the bosses, Exactly, right? right? So this is the Schmidian impulse. It's this black, white, yeah, it's, it doesn't let you see the topography right. well enough. And so what I want to say too here, I think ultimately, is that not only is this structure of politics well, the one that's already going on, right? We're already all doing this. Everyone's already all doing this, participating politically in this discourse of either trying to absolutely fixate on an enemy or trying to hold in perspective the this the the possibility of thinking this person as a potential danger that I am going to want to make sure that I have the capacity to have solidarity to defend people who 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 are vulnerable against um at the same time as holding open a non-absolution as it comes to thinking about solidarity as common denominator. Because what Derrida is saying is the moment you're thinking common denominator, the person who's standing next to you will turn on you. It could possibly turn on you at any moment in time because they're not turning on you for what you're doing. They're turning on you for what you represent for them as a political problem that needs to be shored up. So... That's this critique of, of this of this particular Schmidian move. The reason why I bring it up is that this essence of law point is so crucial for thinking about political economy and, and, and legal structures, which include media structures, writ large. Because it also demonstrates how anyone who has power over a particular form of infrastructure is also responsible to anyone else in society writ large in general and so there's this matrix of responsibility and responsibility is not and responsibility needs to be um negotiated with consent and is already already variously has consent violated in different structures right and so part of the political is creating places where interdependent responsibility can proceed in a way that is fair right. to all parties because because right? we didn't consent to being responsible that's, so this is what we call BDS. Who, who's the one who wrote about BDSM therapy? Oh, uh, I sent the, I, I think I have to, I get the name for you. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, the, I sent a. But I'm not saying is all politics is that, but it's it's about that question, yes. right? It's about this question of, of holding and negotiation and where you find yourself in everything and trust and, and decision-making and, um, yeah, and and for yeah. for listeners, Natty's referring to a, a Corey Hammer's uh, article called "Reworking Trauma Through BDSM." But I think the point is, is that there is a trauma in existence, right? Which is what Derrida would say. So, um, and it's disturbing that you are responsible, um, <laughs> and yet here you are, right? And that has to be negotiated. But also, but in the end, beautiful. Yes. Yeah, right. it's it's right. It's not an absolute trauma in the same way that no. a responsibility a, is not an absolute responsibility just to the union, yes, right? Like exactly. it's it's responsibility as like it's the reason it's ambiguous is because you aren't responsible to something that already exists and says how you're responsible yes. to it. You're responsible for participating in, the in shaping the very structures yes. that you're yes. responsible for, and, right? And the horror, and the horror is to is the beauty of dignifying your responsibility to the speakers that have come before, the speakers that are now, the speakers that are coming, yeah. right? In all different valences, yep. and that's ultimate, and that's 
fundamental beauty and, and, right responsibility as beauty is tied up in and law, that and right? that you just as an example it it comes out in his writing right the beauty of of what he wrote yeah. is is in 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 a sense what he is that's because his responsibility time, right he's he, he and that's the the thing about time yeah, exactly and so time is not inevitable but time in order to craft time you have to time is an important part of the political challenge in all different existential ways and, and so right and and thinking about time in that sense we can come back to the way people and discourse plays out over time and how that is participated in alongside the right wing participation in the essence of discourse and law and and governance that is currently has a trajectory towards genocide um and i yes. think and i think that's important to spell it all out right like the weigel thing this and it's important to with boundaries feel the horror in different reverberating right. ways but in a way where you can you can you can make a a claim towards solidarity another way but to, you have to see the moves and so and so this brings us to the to this pro- contemporary political moment which is one that i will has been like elucidating quite well in 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 his podcast which is the right-wing threat right and this this eliminationist threat by by the right wing that are they are sending armed people to pride events right like this is happening right there are there are disruptions there is the the libs of tiktok account which i think will like you you probably know more about this than than either of us It, it might be worth like thinking about this context of responsibility discursive responsibility um alongside governing responsibility like anyone in governance or anyone with power alongside this question of of this libs of tiktok account yeah i mean i think that the libs of tiktok story is going to be an interesting one to kind of ask some of the same sort of questions and like deconstruct in the same way that we were just now with the washington post uh you know the Dave Weigel thing. This is also a Washington Post adjacent story. Um, so I guess I should start. Libs of TikTok is like this massive Twitter account that exists to take out of context clips from LGBT uh, TikTok users um, and imply or suggest that they're, you know, sexual deviants or pedophiles or, you know, like it, it very much is playing into the groomer thing that any time that children are aware of the existence of LGBT people, they're being groomed into the LGBT lifestyle. You know, this this whole thing that has, as Max said, has resulted in, you know, neo-Nazis attacking pride events, attacking drag queen story hours where drag queens read children's books to kids, like literally just children's books. Um Teachers have been fired. Yeah, not not only has libs of TikTok been playing into this, but it it's been very essential to the way that this groomer discourse thing has yes. has taken shape. And can I can um, I add something and, here too? Yeah. Um, yeah also, please. it it is incredibly integrated with the right wing to the point where like libs of yeah. TikTok has like investors. Like there's there's critical infrastructure support for this political. Um, project that will is this right wing political project that um, 
Will is describing. Yeah, and that's and and a lot of this has been reported on over the last like month, month and a half by Washington Post uh, reporter Taylor Lorenz, who first wrote you know kind of a big expose about libs of TikTok that you know made it a big controversy as it as it should be right, um, and and reported on this kind of you know basically right wing propaganda infrastructure where this libs of tiktok account feeds directly into all of these right-wing media stakeholders and you know these these things get retweeted by you know every conservative pundit the creator of libs of tiktok get, gets invited onto tucker carlson's show to talk about being canceled which then becomes the context also of david weigel's tweet right because infrastructures of of you know you could call you know legacy journalism or legacy media you know like washington post new york times la times boston globe like all of these big institutional publications they either are going to be looking the other way and treating the fact that all of these people now are speaking in genocidal ways about lgbt people and how they have to kill them because they're all pedophiles like there's there's a way in which this kind of middle of the road beltway reporting can just be like wow there there really seems to be an organic movement against <laughs> lgbt people that uh that wow i guess maybe we should bring on an anti lgbt columnist to cover this you know like there's did you see at a, a school in in seattle a university like some some president or something said something anti lgbt and the students at their graduation were like handing out rainbow flags that's great to the guy yeah and he would shake their hands yeah and yeah go ahead and so taylor lorenz at washington post has made it kind of her beat to report on networks of you know right-wing influencers and media shows that are a part of you know those influencers and like you know all this just this whole network and infrastructure of right-wing propaganda you know reporting on it as an infrastructure right not reporting on it as something that's just out there in the world like free speech or something i do think we can imagine her taylor lorenz like like we don't imagine washington post right as like a vanguard of the revolution but we can also think about like the interest of like different reporters like it's not like we're gonna like judge them all like they are all in the union right and it's interesting this like way there's these different people there and it's interesting the the choices people make and i don't know the how that ties into our story as far as like yeah yeah being a reporter as a job even if you're a really prominent one what do you what decisions do you make about what where what role you play right and like being a person to the extent you can being a person who like yeah yeah you know you never know like Who's to say, right? It, yeah. uh, you know, like one reporter might be LGBT. One reporter might have a brother that's a, like, right? Yeah, like, yeah. but but right, these are right. not. Th- this is not might. They those things right, are exactly. always right. And, they might be disabled. They might be disabled. Exactly, they might be immunocompromised. Exactly. Right? They might be exactly. trans. They might be all these things. And, and right? it only they might be homeless. That neutrality yeah. point only can hold when you assume the neutrality to be the hegemonic form of social. Like, you know, like that, that is not a, that's a very, uh, well-trodden critique. Maybe, maybe they, maybe they're poor. Right. Maybe they grew up poor. Yeah. You know? And in like, the same way, it matters what prominent Democrats are doing, right? Like that matters and it's worth, and it's worth pushing and contesting and, you know, and 
uh, and nurturing the ones who are progressive and, you know, like all of these things. And in, in and that, imperfect, but not nothing. Yeah, right. Like, and that doesn't mean that the Democrats are your saviors. You can't say right? it's nothing because responsibility is not to perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, that's, yeah. that's yeah, the point totally. that I'm making is that it's, you know, in yeah, the yeah. same way that we're ambivalently Democrats, right? Like we're also ambivalently a, a public that is served by the Washington Post as infrastructure. Anar- anarchists. Right, and ambivalently anarchist, exactly, yeah, yeah. All these labels, right? Anar- anarchist, surrealist, Democrats, which I think is Barnes' uh, <laughs> biggest nightmare. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we deserve to be shot. Um, <laughs> um, and, and i think oh, that's that's how i like to start my political conversations um, my first impulse was i was gonna shoot you but or something not me but you know i think this connects really well to will what you're saying and like and 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 natty to the whole january 6th thing right so uh, if you know it, as the time of this pretty much pretty much nothing that's a liberal a liberal well fantasy. right so natty's giving voice to like right the the hearings are going on for the congressional committee that investigated the january 6th um attempted coup which i would uh, i'm not gonna hesitate to call it that um and but at the time right there was a whole a whole you know jacobini discourse that was like this is not meaningful these people are potentially working class there's nothing there there's no danger right but uh, but it, it seems obvious when you actually look at what happened that this was an organized right-wing um coup attempt f- that was con- influenced and directed from not only trump's white house but many different scales of right-wing infrastructure like all the way down, right? Yeah, and even that, still... that today would include libs of TikTok and exactly. the anti-grooming stuff. Exactly, right? exactly. And so and... local media resource, local MMT resourcing. You know, Jane Ball, uh, MMT comrade, has talked about like MMT not just is about how do you pay for it, but that crucial question of how do you resource it. And so when people say there's not local um, possibilities, uh, there are just as there was a recently a, a Money on the Left episode with uh, Mike Lewis and. Um, in Austin, Texas, and Andres Bernal, I know, is working on stuff about local MMT, yeah, but yeah. the resourcing, what hospitals well, do you build? What media exactly. institutions do you have? What friendships and, and do you per- have? What relationships are you building? What practices are you building? And, yeah. Resourcing well, is we're, always We're always possible. involved in resourcing. And that's the claim. Right? It's contested. It's yeah. not just like a, it's not just a given, you know, yeah. like yeah. what media resources exist. Well, that's an yeah. open question that we're participating in. Right. And so then scaling back up from from this question of libs of TikTok being a part of this right-wing kind of burgeoning um, armed uh, political uh, trajectory and, and, and genocidal as well, um, is this question of like what this January 6th thing ha- meant then. And, and, you know, just to give an example, like the, the leading Republican candidate for governor in, in Michigan was just arrested for having been like, you know, these are, it's not just... For having been a part of this January 6th uprising, these it's not just like, and there's some people over there who got mad, right? Like, no, this is an integral moment, whether it's a trauma, whether whatever it is, it's an integral kind of figuration in, in the recent right wing mythos about itself and its victimhood in America at the uh, at the hands of liberals. Right. Um and, and and not just liberals, but particularly at the hands of uh, LGBT people, right? A part of this 
this structure of of um, victimhood that it's creating in order to justify um, uh, its genocidal desires. Uh, I, I have a Twitter mutual who, what I've heard, Paul, Paul Elliott Johnson has a book about uh, right wing uh, victim populism. Yeah, yeah I, it's a it's a it's a well trodden path, I think, in its own way. And and but my I think what I what I want to do is connect up right the question of what made these people go into and like what made January six happen. Well, I think pretty obviously it's a uh, media coordination and and um, and different scales of facilitating that coordination from representatives touring people on january 5th and pointing out like right wingers like pointing out oh that's speaker pelosi's office or the oh that's where this happens wink you know to um to the facebook groups and twitter groups and whatever that coordinated people to infrastructure and gun laws right that allow people to buy guns to bring to dc and bring their guns into the halls of congress to like every to local police rest in, rest in peace to all the to the people in Uvalde yeah. and to so many people constantly that are are being um killed in all different ways right this violence right this strange violence to quote yeah Derrida and um resourcing is in the left you know the left is trying to in kindness find ways to resource ourselves resource each other and you have to do that too with care the inter decision making right um you're caught up you're caught out um naming the, the yeah. curves well and, um, and the, this ambiguity of the left like you know needs to needs to resource itself to do things like there's there's a certain way in which sometimes that gets talked about in terms of like the left is over here needs to build independent power and ev- everything that exists, those are capital's resources, and you can't use those. Um, and there's, but there's a really kind of right. interesting dimension of this Taylor Lorenz lives of TikTok story, right? Which is that uh, Taylor Lorenz reported on a right wing disinformation campaign, and then the right wing became fixated on Taylor Lorenz and tried to demonize her. And she parlayed that into more attention on on the far right and on libs of TikTok. And, you know, cascading effects. Now Twitter is considering banning libs of TikTok. Um, but it, it just it just goes to and, show. And shout, and shout out and Antifa people, you know, shout out, shout out anti-fascism. Shout out to everybody, generally. right? which is operating at all different scales and this is an example of an right like you would think antifa wouldn't be as uh, as rejected by the left but it's like (laughs) the fact that we have to shout out antifa because like people like ben burgess are like saying how antifa is terrible and i i don't know it's just wild to me um yeah the very things that are propaganda for fascists can can overnight become weaponized against fascists, right? Like, and that's, and that gets lost if your analysis is, here's what exists on the fascist side, here's what exists on the non-fascist side. Oh no, the fascist side is so much bigger. We're over here in our little cloistered space. It's like, no, like, you know, the, these materials are liberal or conservative or whatever narratives are polysemic. Will comes out as materialist. Right. Which is why 
this is not materialism, right? Uh, be kind of, it's a kind, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. No, it, not not materialism is, as named yeah, as I hear such, you. right? But I think to a materialist, some materialists would say, oh, that is yeah, actually, well, do you know what I mean? It's not like, dialectical materialism. These definitions are. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the act of identifying what is the material reality identifying that another way to put it like we would say that that is drawing an account a surreal realism of responsibility max's 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 bio incommensurable accounting a materialist analysis of where is the power you know is going to be an account like that's that's an accounting gimmick right that you made up in terms of (laughs) you know which power is where and all these things because what you're what you're naming as power can have multiple names by different people right? right like this is this is why these things are contested this is why libs of tiktok can be powerful for the far right and reporting on libs of tiktok can be powerful against the far right, right. Rather than just helping the far right. Well, and these are in households, in family. I mean, there are absolutely people who yeah. have in the same family, like a, you know, where one one kid is like supporting on on Instagram, like the Taylor Lorenz type stuff, and her brother maybe is yeah. is like on lives of TikTok, and and they're in some like kind of shitty house in a middle class suburb. Yeah. I think that's a real fucking thing, and it's multi race and it's multiracial, and it's a working class contestation as well as not. Right. And right. Like it's, it's all different. It's just like so flattening not to like live with these complexities is a left analysis. And, and I, cause think- you're ceding space to the right. Cause the right is gonna do every fucking Avenue. And this is, and this is what I think I, I want to like bring it to maybe as we're closing um, is right. Like the, the, the dirtbag left or elements of the Bernie left or the Jacobin left. Right. Ultimately, I think what they did take from the right or there was even even to be charitable, like maybe it was more effective in a particular historical moment um, was this sense that owning the libs um, was a goal in itself. Right. And that is what the left needed to do to win. They needed to beat the libs. Right. And, and fuck and fuck a lot of libs, but what people exactly. mean by libs? I mean, well, but right. we, I mean, libs. It's it's dismissing. Yeah, I I the whole the whole right. so, so, definition thing doesn't make right. sense. But so, yeah, go ahead. Exactly. Not only does the whole definition thing doesn't make sense, but but even if we take it at its word as a definition, right? Um, the it's a it's a misidentification of the the ultimate danger, right? Because. I think if your ultimate worry as a politics is that libs will defang the left. Which um, is a valid worry. It's a valid worry. But if it's the but only... libs don't really call. Yeah. I right. don't know if libs call out fascism fully, though. Is the... I don't know if the well, left calls out fascism. Let me finish. Fully. Let me finish. Right. Let me finish. Let me yeah, finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me finish. Um, right. So, so, of course, libs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let me finish. Continue. If that is your yeah. sole goal. What you won't be spending time doing is fighting fascism, which is not to say that libs are good. And lib and libs do not libs do not fight the police, right? Libs are right. pro police, exactly. Like which is, Biden. But, but again, but again, but again, wait. I want to say, right. like, okay. which is not to say, right, that libs are good, right? Because libs do shitty things, like support right. the police, which then end up supporting fascism. But, but. 
unless I think one of the prime ethical principles is <laughs> rejecting fascism, right? I think you will always end up accidentally triangulating against libs with fascists, right? Because you're in either you're in denial about the threat of fascism, which happened after January 6th, right? Everyone's like, no, this is not real. This is not happening. I think this is where I think we we do have to we have to we have to identify uh, superstructure and money on the left is a, is a popular front a popular front of collectivity, like that's that's a core right. I like like that yeah. is I think what you're asserting. Right? Yeah, like, well, right. Um, I mean, I mean, different and, different poet different poetries of, of 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 a popular front. Right, and and all the complicatedness of that claim historically could make different, but there is some of that, right? Like, anyway, go ahead. And anti-fascist. I mean, I could imagine like own the libs of TikTok being like a dirt a, a dirtbag left moniker, and like sadly, I still listen to uh things like Chapo and like the last episode they spent joking about like joking misogynistically about um how like lib lib like slate like question writers are completely uh mentally deranged and like and like yeah i'm not gonna defend obviously like every slate question writer because there are all these contradictions and problems and 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 politics that are bad and dangerous and damaging in in that liberal sphere but at the same time, if the left is just going to spend its time being misogynistic and ableist attacking libs, like, meanwhile, there's this entire threat and, and of, that is ongoing and, and, and is using genocidal rhetoric to target LGBT people that might not even identify as leftists, right? But that, that, that nevertheless uh, merit defending from a politics of leftism, right? Which I consider yeah, myself that's, a part that's of. How, and we, and we that's how too. conversations, that's how conversations and movements grow, right? Like you don't, that doesn't mean just dumbing it down and being like, no, it's okay to be anti-trans man. No, it means like being like, oh yeah, like you're not necessarily in my little discourse circle, but like you as a trans person know that like on Instagram, you're not into the people who want to assassinate trans people, right? And then there's already a solidarity there, even if you haven't like read Capital Volume Two, but not not that that's what we're saying, or that you haven't learned learned MMT, right? But you can. That's like a way of folding into response because all of these are economic questions too, right? Like this this is culture, not material. Like no, this is all economic. This is about people's joy, their work, their shelter, their ability to not have cortisol run throughout their entire body, to be in relation, right? Like. <laughs> It's about all these things. I think part of production this too is that yeah. left and liberal, right? Like these words are descriptive. It's not the liberals and the left. Right. 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 Like that's, and that I think is. Well, most people are constantly, very few people. Some people are fully I mean, nobody's developed all one ideological thing, libs. You know? some, yeah. yeah. I mean, and many people are longtime lefties, but most people, that's why I have that. That's my populist, my populist kind of impulse of like, people not but not in a condescending way right where you're like be offensive no like a populism of like the fluidity of 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 interaction and the populism of like seeing people's different um perspectives and finding ethical common threads and i don't know yeah the fluidity of contestation yeah yeah which is how a reality is and like trying to make it so simple 
and reductive, oftentimes in the name of being complex, people get so reductive, right? They say, oh, well, people come from all different places. Let's be really complex. And actually all that ever is, is the reduction to seeding to yeah, the Yeah, let's, the let's triangulate offense. is what that is. <laughs> it's like, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's, that's not what true, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah but that's it, not but it, right. It could be that in, you know, like, I think part of what I'm trying to do with, with projections also, but like what we've been doing in in superstructure as well, in medium femme, right? Is me and Char me and Charlotte Scott Scott with Brendan on Plato. Yeah, like I think that we're we're trying to show. I don't know if I can make this case with Scott and Brendan with Plato, but um, <laughs> I mean, I I could, but I was I think I'm I was gonna say something much more narrow than what than what you were saying. <laughs> let, let, um, let, Let's go back. Let Let's go back to Charlotte medium femme projections. Yeah, yeah. Well, I you know I think that there are there there could be somebody who calls themselves a liberal, right? And our point is that there are actually certain things that are important to you that you identify with liberalism that that in order to be realized or you know fulfilled or to like manifest in any kind of positive way you know, like, are actually, you know, not, like, that's not going to happen through liberalism necessarily. And then what that means is that, like, you know, maybe you shouldn't be essentialized as a liberal at the outset. And, you know, like, people should be treated as complex and harboring multiple narratives and impulses and, and all of these things. And, you know, there are certain ones that we, in our modality, as, you know, thinking with you know, money on the left, right? Like as leftists or whatever, we can, we can nurture and affirm and try to, you know, tease out the non-zero sum politics and the politics of monetary contestation public, that public affordance. Yeah. Right. Pu democratic like, public affordance. And I mean, that's what we've been doing with the left, right? Like MMT is not hegemonic on the left, but we've made, arguments variously that, that if you if one you thrusting phallus <laughs> we've made arguments variously <laughs> that if your goal is a politics of inclusion then to really realize that politics you need a way of describing people's right to exist that's not as a cost to some other group of people right so there's a way that we can back into mmt from that but that's not to flatten it and say, oh, everybody on the left is an MMTer, right? And so, like, in the same way, like, I think that those of us on the left, you know, like... But everyone in the left should be should be invested in interdependent, just um, thriving affordance to each other. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and it they turns have to out... read Zizek. <laughs> well, and, and it oh, turns no. out oh, that no. they're, you know, that, <laughs> that, that this reporting on you know, this anti-fascist reporting that's been happening at the Washington Post, a liberal publication, you know, like maybe in that context, that reporting is not shoring up shitty liberalism necessarily, or at least that's not all that we can reduce it to and, and other it as liberals doing lib things where, you know, we on the left, you know, are, you know, we, we have our own institutions because the, the institutions that, that name themselves as left. I mean, money on the left is one, but like there are other, you know, like the so-called Jacobin left, right? Like they've been doing the triangulate, like they're to the right of the Washington Post on this. Um, 
in this particular context. And the point is that, you know, we don't want to essentialize people. We don't want to essentialize institutions. You know, these are descriptive terms about ideas. Yeah, I think that's all, it's all, um, it's all really insightful. And, and yeah, this has been such a interesting, uh, episode that we've made. And I, I want to remind our listeners, um, if you want to support us, please, uh, go on our Patreon and subscribe. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I think I loved uh, this. This was really fun. I can't, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. It's all in there. Yeah.